0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Um, I was a little surprised this morning. I was greatly surprised. Uh, First of all, I was surprised that I even came for the nine o'clock service. (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, and uh, just a lot of people here for the nine o'clock service, Uh, but God is good, but I felt something and I still feel it. And, um, I just felt something stirring inside of me. And, um, my intention was to kind of teach at the nine o'clock service. Well, that got blew out of the water, you know, it was like, boom, but I really felt just the Lord breaking things up. And, um, and I really feel that that's something he's doing in the church that it's not just an experience. It is a transformation. Amen. Amen. And it's it's not a transformation just for you to say you've been transformed. It's transformation to equip you for what he's purposed you to do for this hour. Amen. Amen. And as I stood here this morning and I watched new members received at the 9 o'clock and for the, the 11 o'clock. It's a, just a, it's a powerful thing. It's an unusual thing to see that happen. And um, it doesn't happen because of, of programs or this, that, and the other. There are a lot of things that you do that are important and that are well, but it, it is Christ that builds the church. You understand that? Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. And he builds it for a purpose. And I'll get into that a little bit deeper later on. But you are called to be joined into into a body of believers that will reflect who the head is, of course. But it is for the specific purpose for which he has even appointed this church in this area. When you look at the book of Revelation, when the Lord addresses the seven churches of Asia, that they are all the body of Christ, but they are each individual churches with a separate identity and mission. And he addresses them according to that mission of how they were performing it or not. True? Amen? And so I believe as the Lord sends out that that call and he is drawing, he is assembling, which is what the church represents. He is assembling a body of believers in this place, in this area, because he has a unique purpose for which you have been called. Amen? Amen? We're going to discuss that a little bit more of how that's released, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit is just stirring some powerful things this morning, and I want to invite you to just let Him do it. Amen. Whew. Amen. To let Him release, to let Him pour into you, and you allow that to be released out of you this morning. Praise God. I'm going to jump right into this. If you have your Bibles, turn to me to Acts chapter 12. It's hard for me to do duplicate services. It really is. It really is. Because I feel like you invest yourself fully. It's almost like having playing two professional football games back to back. I mean, it's like wow that you pour yourself out, and it's like pour, try, uh, t- time to pour yourself out again. And I also feel like for some reason I have to repeat myself. You know, I feel like and you do to a certain measure. So uh, I, and I just pray that the anointing is even greater. Amen. 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, we're going to just jump into this. Acts chapter 12 is a powerful story. I want to talk to you about these things. When we talk about the power of a praying church, we're going to look at what happens when the church prays and also when it doesn't. Amen. Let's jump into this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now, about the time, that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed. James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And Now this is during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, and he delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Some of your versions say, may say four quaternions. It is actually a, a squad of sixteen soldiers, and they were to be positioned in front and on the side and behind. Sixteen soldiers guarding one man. Peter was a bad dude. <laughs> that's how much the enemy feared him. Oh, Holy Ghost! Woo. Amen. Mm, what what does the devil have to do to contain you, man? Some of you he just needs to give you a bad experience on Interstate Four. Wow. So let it be said that that man it took sixteen soldiers to guard me. Think about that for a moment, man. Is potent, amen, and impotent. <laughs> that would be in South. Important. That's impotent, brother. Amen. <laughs> amen. You want to know why I come to the river? Because I I understand what Pastor Caleb said. <laughs> 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 oh, praise God. <laughs> Amen. I, I'm jesting right now, so praise the Lord. <laughs> Some people are like, what did he say? <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly what he said. <laughs>
1: Amen. Praise
0: God. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> All right, let's get on to this. Amen. Uh, so Peter's arrested. He's 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 quartered by four squads of soldiers, <laughs> and uh, and they're intending to bring him before the people after Passover. This is not a good thing. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But everybody say but. but. It's important because this determines a different outcome. Amen. Because something else was done differently, and we'll get into that in a moment. But constant prayer, everybody say constant prayer. Some versions say but but prayer was made by the church without ceasing. Come on. How how what does it take to stop you from praying? The Lord spoke to me some things over the last couple of days about him whispering, him whispering. Sometimes it's the whisper of God that gets your attention. And why does he whisper? Because I believe he wants you to draw closer to hear what he has to say. Amen. Whoo, come on, amen. Man, I feel the... Oh. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. And I said this morning, I think Peter learned some things from Jesus. Jesus learned how to sleep in the midst of the storm. Peter was sleeping between... These soldiers chained up, bound up, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Rise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. I like the way King James says it. And he smoked. The angel smote Peter on the side. This morning I gave people permission to smack one another. All right. So It's like, wake up. <laughs> wake up, get up, Peter. Amen. Smote him on the side and said, arise quickly and chains and his chains fell off his hands. And I, and as I said this morning, I want to bring this to, to just to light for a moment. Why did he say, Peter, get up quickly? I really believe it had nothing to do with fear of the soldiers are going to be, you know, they're going to wake up and find that Peter was being set free supernaturally, but because prayer was being made, God, God with urgency sent the answer. Come on. Amen. And He's telling Peter, listen, you've got to hurry. There are people praying for you and I've come to answer this prayer now. Amen. And I believe that God is speaking to the church. He's telling you to wake up now. Now there are those who've been praying. Come on, somebody say amen. And you don't have time to sleep. You don't have time to wait around and dilly around about it, dilly-dally around. He's calling you to get up and move now in response to prayers that are being prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The angel said to him, gird up yourself for eight. tie on your sandals. And he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and he followed him and he did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. And, they were, and when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city. And it was locked, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down on the st- one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to him, him, himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel, and he's delivered me from the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Man, I think that's powerful. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, um, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. What a welcome. I found this ironic. Supernaturally, Peter's released out of prison, but he can't get into the locked door of the church. (laughs) You know, think about what Jesus said in the book of Revelation. He said to the one church, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's not, you know, we, 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 we pitch that as preaching to the sinner, but he's talking to the church. The Lord of the house, locked out, asking, can I come in? I won't think about it. Peter's standing on the outside of the gate, knocking. Rhoda says, it's Peter, runs and tells everybody else. You would think everybody would say, hallelujah, God has answered my prayer. But they said to her, you're crazy. You're beside yourself. Yet she said, no, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. He's out there. And, she, and, and, they, and, and she said, they said to her, well, maybe it's his angel. It's his angel. As I asked this morning, for that to be the case, they would have to believe that Peter had died. And I asked this question, do we really believe... What we're asking God for. Come on. It should be met when God answers a prayer. It should be met with, thank you, God. You have done what we have prayed. Hallelujah. Not, well, I can't believe he did it. <laughs> but he answers prayer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Peter continued knocking. <laughs> he continued knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. The word is they were amazed, out of wits, insane. They had a Pentecostal church service. Peter is saying to them, Shush, keep it down. They might find out where I'm at. Keep silent. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, Go tell these things to James the brother. And he departed and went to one place. Amen. The power of a praying church. Isn't that awesome? The power of a praying church. I don't even think sometimes you have to have the greatest faith. You just need to pray. He's just wanting the church to pray together. Let him surprise you, but you do the praying. Amen? Is that okay? Praise God. I've heard it said many, many years ago, I heard a preacher say this. When we stand before God and give an account for our lives, and we come to understand how powerful prayer was and is, and what it accomplished, we will regret that we prayed so little. Think about it. How do we view prayer, and how do we see ourselves as a church, and I think sometimes the lack of of the church praying is because we don't understand who we are as a church. And I want to touch on that just a little bit this morning. I want to look at the authority of the church that's been granted to us through prayer. And when I read these following passages of Scripture, you may think that it has nothing to do with prayer, but it does. Because it reveals the very purpose of the church that God has designed for the church in the earth. And how that God has intended for the church to walk in an influence that connects heaven to earth, Come on, somebody, say amen. 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 That it literally God has put within the church's hands through prayer the ability to open up heaven to any given region and area. Whew, come on, somebody, say amen. amen. When the church prayed, heaven opened up, if you will. When, when the church prayed for Peter, God, heaven was opened, the gate was opened up, and angels were sent to rescue. Come on, somebody, say Amen. amen. When we look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, I want you to read with me. Paul writes and says, To me who am less, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. To me who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see, comprehend, and grasp what is the fellowship of this mystery. Now your version may say, Stewardship. It may say administration of this ministry or of this mystery. And that depends upon what translation you're reading from. And there are reasons for that, and I won't get into that. But the word fellowship, if it's fellowship, it comes from the Greek word koinonia. Depends on what manuscripts it's translated from. Koinonia means intimate fellowship, intimate participation. If it's administration and stewardship, it's the Greek word oconomaii. It is actually how God brought something together. As I said this morning, I can actually take both and blend it together because I believe the fellowship of this mystery is the the intimate participation of God's people with Jesus. That's the church, the head joined to the body. Amen? And it is also the mystery that was hit from before the ages that God designed even before time began. This is not something by coincidence. This is something that was in the heart of God way before it even started. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Amen. You're not gathered here by happenstance, but you're gathered here today by divine design, by divine influence. God has called you together for a purpose. Amen. Somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's time for the church to wake up and be who she's called to be. Amen? It's time for the church to figure out her identity. Listen, we accuse the world of being crazy because they don't know who they are. We say the world is in an identity crisis. They don't know what sex they are. They don't know if they're male. They don't know if they're female. And we're like, what's wrong with those people? I ask the church, what's wrong with you? You don't know who you are. The church is in an identity crisis. Come on, somebody. Amen? Hallelujah. When the church figures out who she is, the world might figure out who they are. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is that all right, Brother Jeff? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, that's, that's the fourth page of my notes. I've already shot that. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> oh, God's good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm believing God to heal my eyes so I don't have to keep doing this. Praise God. And my print keeps getting bigger and bigger, and I still have to use glasses. I can see fine about the fourth pew on, but no, or chair. Those are chairs, not pews. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Amen. God's good, isn't he? To make all men see what the fellowship of this mystery is, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden God and created, who created all things through Jesus Christ. I don't know if we have that up on the screen or not. To this intent, for this purpose, that now, everybody say now. Now. Hmm. That the manifold wisdom of God—the word "manifold" literally means the full spectrum, the multifaceted. Wisdom, you know what the church, is, do you know who you are? I'm talking about your identity right now. The full wisdom of God. The multifaceted wisdom of God. Jesus and His church. Being on display before principalities and powers in heavenly places. That's what it says. That God is saying, I want to show you my multifaceted wisdom. And the principalities and powers are saying, where, where? And he brings together this thing through Jesus. And he brings this, the, this believers from all over people from all over the world, from every different walk of life, who become one in him through a relationship with Jesus. And he assembles them together. And principalities and powers stand in awe and amazement. Do we? Think about it. It's powerful. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. I keep looking at the screen. I'm just going to read it. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. Are you with me? The Bible, is the story of, of, of Jacob when he left his family because of what took place between uh, Esau and himself when, by the manipulation of his mom, the blessing was put upon Jacob, and for fear of Esau killing him, Jacob fled to go to his, to his uncle Laban's. This is what happened in the process. Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went toward Haran. and He came to a certain place, and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And He took one of the stones of that place, and he put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Yeah. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on him. On the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Come on. Behold, I am with you and I'll keep you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land where I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. And Jacob awoke out of his sleep and he said, listen, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. I, I, I mean, that's over and over again in the church, Caleb, Pastor Caleb. Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other but the house of God. This is none other than the house of God. And this is, this is the gate of heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Now, I can share a lot of things with you this morning. And uh, that, this is not by coincidence. Again, this, this experience in Jacob's life is by divine design. Because the Bible says when he comes to this city, the name of that city is called Luz. The word luz means almond tree. Come on, amen? This is a picture of the church. Why is it almond tree? The word uh, uh, luz, uh, uh, it's termed as almond tree. And the almond tree was known as also the, the wakeful tree or the awakened tree because it was the first tree to wake up at the end of winter and also the first tree to blossom and to produce fruit. And I'm going to just show you the type and shadow just throughout Scripture for a moment because this is all about the plan and design of God for the church. It's not in my notes, so I'm just going to just throw it out there, okay? Number one, that, that when, the, when the tabernacle was made, there's a piece of furniture that's put within the holy place. That piece of furniture was called the lampstand, amen? And it was beaten out of one piece of gold, formed into a lampstand upon which there were seven seven candles. Come on, somebody, amen? But that lampstand was formed in the image of an almond tree, and that, and there was a center. There was a center vine. You know where I'm going with this. And there were branches. There was there were three branches on one side, three branches on the other. Come on, Jesus said, "I am, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit." This 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 lampstand was also not just a picture of an almond tree, but the formation of, of of progression in fruit, of fruitfulness, because it starts out the the branch in the vine itself, in the center stem itself, and then it forms a knot, and then it forms a bud or a flower, and then it forms the fruit. And in that fruit, which was the almond itself, an almond bowl, the almond bowl was filled with oil, a wick was put in it, and that's what was the only light given in the holy place. Now fast forward to the book of Revelation, John is on the Isle of Patmos. And John as a good Jew, he know he's about to understand, he's about to get a revelation. <laughs> that was that was a little funny there. <laughs> So, he's, he's on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus said, "Boom!" It's one of those grenade jokes. <laughs> so, so, he's standing there, and all of a sudden, he hears the voice of the Lord, and he sees Jesus standing where? In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And the Lord gives him an understanding of what those seven golden candlesticks were, those lampstands were. He said, those seven lampstands were a representation of the church. The seven churches. So when Jacob finds himself in Luz, which is called almond tree, he has no idea that he's entered into the house of God. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. He's having a revelation. He said, I didn't know it. This is the house of God. Not only is it the house of God, it is the gateway of heaven itself. Come on, amen. Amen. And it's not only about the place where we can experience heaven, but it is also the place where heaven finds access into this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Through the church, through our gathering together, through our times of prayer and intercession. And I'll say this again, one of the principal ministries of the church, if not the most important ministry of the church, though there is much that we do and we should do, but it is prayer. Come on, amen. You are called to prayer. Jesus said, and he quotes it out of Isaiah, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Isaiah says, For all nations. The word prayer literally means intercession. You are called to intercede on behalf of all nations. And I'm here to tell you this, church. If we don't pray, it doesn't get done. Amen. If heaven is not finding expression in our cities, there's only one place that you put the finger of blame on, and it's on the church. Come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. So we should take that as a challenge to say when we are called to pray, to understand that we are being assembled by God to release the authority and the resources of heaven. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, I'm ready to pray. Somebody's like, Pastor Joe, shut up. I just want to pray. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Oh, isn't God good? Yes. So what is the church? The Greek word is what? Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Or as we southern boys say, Ecclesia. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, I understand that. The ecclesia, ecclesia. It is it has been it's been understood that this is the called out assembly of God. And that is very true. But I want to tell you something. It is so much deeper than that. The first place that you find the word Ecclesia, listen, is in, is in Matthew 16, when Jesus assembles his boys together. And he asks this question, whom do men say that I am? Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? It's an important question. And their response is, well, some say, you are John the Baptist. That's a miracle. Because John the Baptist had already been beheaded. For him to be John the Baptist, he would have been resurrected from the dead and his head reconnected. So they're not just saying like things about Jesus. They're saying some pretty amazing things that they think who he is. Some say you're Elijah. Again, he would have had to have come back. He would have had to have returned. Come on, amen. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. These are amazing things. And Jesus is like, hmm, but how about you? Who do you say that I am? And this is what God is posing to the church. I don't care what everybody else is saying. I don't care what everybody else is preaching. But what am I saying to you? Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I love you guys. Amen. Hallelujah. I told Pastor Caleb this morning, I kind of like being on the evangelist side of things. Amen. I, I, I can stir up the mess and leave and he has to deal with it. (laughs) But I told him I I wouldn't do that. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Jacob realizes the house of God is the gate of heaven. He understands that it is the church because angels are ascending and descending. It is the house of God that relegates and regulates the interaction of heaven with the earth. Do you understand that? Wow. When God moves in by his spirit, he doesn't move in to stay trapped inside four walls. This past week, we had took some time off to go pray. And we went to Christian retreat. Anybody ever been there? All right. It's a good place to just go pray. But outside of it, and it's got a powerful history to it from what I understood and read. But we went there. And outside of it, there's this thing. Kind of, I don't know what you call it, an outdoor cage for lack of bird cage, big one. And it's filled with doves. And I had this funny revelation. Wow, that's like the church. We've caged the Holy Ghost. Put him on display in a cage. And I just said it's time for the church to set the Holy Spirit free. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Set the Holy Spirit free. Don't leave him inside here. He empowers you, and, and he comes and, and ministers to you so that when you, when you walk out these doors, and we understand this, but that you have an effect, that you have, you have a, a, an influence outside these doors that you wouldn't have otherwise. Amen. Is this okay, Pastor? All right. The church. Everybody say we're the church. What is the ecclesia? What is it? What is it? It's the called out. It's the ones that are assembled together. Well, Jesus used this word specifically when he says in Matthew 16, when he says, who do you say that I am? They say, well, Peter stands up and he says, but you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, man, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you that upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia." Notice what he says, and it's a given. We understand this part of it, but most times we, we translate it as saying this. I will build my tabernacle. I will build my, my, my synagogue. Those were things that, that, that would have been normal for a Jew to say, but he didn't say that. He used a Greek-Roman terminology of government. Google it. Find out. You can say ecclesia. What does it mean? It is the, the Ecclesia, let me just read you the definition of it. It began with Greece and it was expounded by Rome. And it was the gathering of those summoned by Rome themselves. They were a governing assembly on behalf of Rome. The Ecclesia was to ensure that the policies and the decrees of Rome were enacted and enforced where, where, to whatever region they were sent to. Come on. <laughs> Are you getting this thing? Woo! Come on. Hallelujah. Jesus isn't building just a bunch of believers gathering together to have a good time. He is assembling an authority in an area that will enact and ensure that the policies of heaven are carried out. Come on. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. To serve notice on the enemies of heaven that you will no longer run rampant, that you will no longer do what you want to do, but we're here to say no more. Hallelujah. Come on, praise God. Woo. Give somebody a high five, amen. Huh. Praise the Lord. <laughs> amen. Oh. Oh, my Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah! Do you see the difference? Now it makes sense because Jesus says, I will build my, my church. I will build my government. I will build my called out ones that understand their assignment, that will carry out the policies of heaven. To wherever I send them, they will be the governing body. Hello. Amen. Amen. Do you know who you are? <laughs> come on. Do, do, we, do we know? Oh, do we know who we are? Come on, come on, amen. Lord, help me, Jesus. Mm. Oh, yeah, amen. <laughs> <laughs> do we understand the power? And the responsibility that's been given to us. And we, we, we shut the door. We come to a service and say, "Well, man, you know that was, you know that was that was, that was great. That was awesome. That was long, whatever, you know." <laughs> and we're nowhere near finished yet. So, <laughs> listen. You understand that it's here. Where you, that you come into a, a, an awareness and an understanding of what God is saying, that he has is, is declared as, as the policy for Claremont, you know, from heaven. Uh, this is what God is saying. This is where you, if you will, this is where you get your governmental orders from, Amen. from heaven. And then you're empowered to carry that out. Think about it. Amen. This is, and when I build my church, the gates... The gates, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I understand that. And I've preached it from multiple levels. Listen, you know, I've preached the fact that the ga- gates are, you know, they're stationary. So it's not the idea that the church is in this defensive posture. And that's very true. And, and we shouldn't be in a defensive posture. And so, but the, But the actual posture is that of one of being an aggressor, being on the offensive. And that then, therefore, the gates of hell cannot stand. They cannot withstand the advancement of the church. And that is absolute truth. Come on, somebody, say amen. But Old Testament understanding was the gates weren't just physical bars, they weren't just physical gates, if you will, but it is where the authorities of a city met to discuss policy or declarations and strategies of war. And what Jesus was saying was that I'm going to build my authority. I'm going to build my government in the earth and it's going to be called the church and the strategies and the schemes of hell itself will not prevail against the church. Come on, somebody. Amen. My scheme and my plan called coronavirus will will not prevail against the church. Hello, somebody. (laughs) Amen. Pastor Caleb and I were talking about this earlier. Yeah, we believe there was a plan. We believe there was something that that was perpetrated by the enemy. But I believe it's fallen far short than what the the enemy intended. Why? Because the church rose up and began to pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, do you really believe that? Yes, I believe it. And if you're not careful, I'll pray for you. (laughs) Amen. Yes. Yes. All authority. Everybody say all authority. authority. Listen, when Jesus rose from the dead, he he already invaded hell and took it over. Come on, he released the captives. And he said after he had rose from the dead, Matthew 28, all, all authority in heaven and earth, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. And now I'm giving it to you. I bequeath you that authority. Now you go, you go as my authority in the earth and you proclaim what heaven is proclaiming. Amen. Amen. Say to those that are sick, be healed in the name of Jesus. Not, don't do any of this. Oh, father, if it be your will, just maybe mightn't. Come on, that's like praying, God, I don't know if it's your will to save this person. Come on, salvation and healing. Jesus connected them together with a guy that was let down through the roof. Come on, he said the same power to declare forgiveness is the same power to bring healing. Amen. That he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Then a lot of us are like what, what Jesus said to his disciples. We, we just want to quote what everybody else said. Well, I don't know if I believe that because this church over here says this. And, and this church over here says that. And, and this one over here says this. It doesn't matter what does God say. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Whew. Tell somebody, we have the keys of the kingdom. Now, what Jesus said, I give unto you the keys, I give unto you the authority of the kingdom to bind and to loose. Whatever you bind shall be bound, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now we kind of twisted that around, but if you really look at those words, the word bind there literally means, doesn't mean I'm binding you up. Literally means to marry something and join something together, to betrothed something or marry something together it's interesting because it's totally against what we've been traditionally viewed as that passage of scripture and then then the next thing he says loose literally means to divorce something or separate something this is the power that i've given you what do you mean he's given you the power to enter into any situation and say i am bringing to those that are sick i am binding you to the healing power of god i am joining you to the healing power of god come on somebody say amen to those that are demon possessed, you have the power to come in and say, I loose you from that power that has possessed your life. Come on, does that makes sense? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Didn't mean to mess with your theology there for a minute. But hallelujah. It's, it's all good. Praise God. <laughs> hallelujah. Jesus said, The question came in Luke chapter 11. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. And the Lord said, Well, when you pray in Matthew 6, he says the same thing. He says, When you pray, pray in like manner. And I've used this prayer as my model of prayer for 30 plus years. And I'm telling you, it never gets old. I'm not just repeating the same thing, but it becomes a guideline. And when I when I hit those demarcations, those points, those bullet points, God just takes you in places you wouldn't normally go to yourself. He said, Pray this way, our Father. Our Father, understand who your daddy is. Amen. Understand he's your father. He you didn't say, Oh, most gracious, kind, heavenly God. God, He is God. But do you know who you are? He's my Father. Do you know who He is? He's my Father. Jesus wasn't launched into His ministry till He understood by the Father that He was His Father's Son. Come on, amen. amen. Hallelujah. He was equipped because He understood who He was. And if the Son of God needed that affirmation, how much more do we? Amen. Is this all right, church? Praise God. Hallelujah. So he says, pray. Pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is not talking about this is a daily prayer, not a daily plea. He's not talking about some futuristic cry for help. He's talking about making a declaration that your kingdom come now. What is he saying? The kingdom of God is the rule of God, the reign of God, and the realm of God. And you have the authority as the church to say, Father, we're declaring your rule, your reign, your realm here now. Here now. Everybody say, right now. Hallelujah. Jesus was healing the sick. He was raising the dead, and he was casting out devils. And he said to them, when they said, well, you cast out devils through Beelzebub, right? You do it through the prince of the devils. And Jesus said, listen, if if I cast out Satan... Uh, through Satan, then you know how shall his kingdom stand? But I tell you that if I cast out Satan through the power of the Holy Ghost, then no doubt the kingdom of God has come up on you right now, right now. Somebody say Amen. amen. You are carriers of the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. The kingdom of God is where it is within you. Come on, church, Amen. Wake up, wake smack somebody. Say wake up, wake up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. This is our ministry. It's what we're called to do. It's the authority that we we walk in. Our ministry is that of a priesthood. Right? Peter said it this way. You are a holy nation. You are a kingly, royal priesthood that you might show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is who you are in the book of Revelation. He says in chapter one, He has made us kings and priests unto our God in the earth. Hallelujah! The church is called to its ministry of intercession and prayer. We will be the ones that control and regulate the atmosphere and the interaction of heaven on this planet. Come on, somebody, say, Amen. It is through prayer that God says, I will do this or I can't do that. Hello. Do you understand that? Yes. Amen. Whew. So well, that's pretty heavy, Pastor Joe, it should be. It's a great responsibility. It's a great power. And I'll say like Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say, son? He just wanted to have a man-to-man talk with him. He said, I'm trying to get you to understand something with great power. Comes great responsibility. Hallelujah. Hey, it's okay. God has to use a movie to preach to us. He will. Because sometimes God knows we watch movies more than we read the word. Amen. <laughs> Hello. Listen, prayer. Everybody say prayer. Intercession, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul said, I urge you, I am am urging you, that first of all, everybody say first, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness, prayer and intercession for those that are in authority. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I'm all right with petitioning. I'm all right with protesting. Come on, somebody. I'm even all right with posting. But if you haven't prayed, forget about petitioning, posting. You know what I mean by posting? And I can tell by some posts that I read on on Facebook, you didn't pray before you posted. Right? (laughs) Right. It's like, you should not have said that. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello. Amen. Who carries the answer? Say, we do. God said to King Solomon when he dedicated the temple, he asked for God's intercession and his blessing. The Lord said, if my people, if my people, not somebody else, if my people who are called by my name. Come on. Do you hear the cry of the Father? If my people. I'm not looking for anyone else. To make up the hedge. I'm not looking for anyone else to do the job. I'm looking for my people who know me. Who are called by my name. Who understand my heart. Who are able to pray my heart effectively. Come on. They don't see the world in a, through eyes of judgment and condemnation. They see it through the eyes of a Savior who, who paid the price to purchase their redemption. Come on somebody. Say amen. And who will not quit praying until our city is saved. Come on somebody. Amen. We hear the voices of of those who have gone on before us, the giants that have gone on before us over many nations and some heralded until all of Africa is saved and we rejoice in that and we thank God for that and we would even say, God, until all of America is saved. But I want to challenge you, church. Take it where you're at right now and say until all of Claremont is saved, we will not stop praying, oh God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! Tell somebody to wake up, and I'm closing, Pastor Caleb. And just give me one more minute. Is that all right? Now, if my minute is like some of these that shared, I'm just. <laughs> I used to say this in Africa: Who would give me five minutes? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll do the counting. 5, 10, 15, 20. I'll take it off. Just, just in closing. <laughs> I don't know if I've shared this here before. It's one of my old, old ones. I heard this a long time ago and it actually fits. A little boy was standing at church with his dad. The preacher said, Everybody stand. And he said, In closing, he preached another 5, 10 minutes. And he said, In closing, Preached another 5, 10, 15 minutes and said, in closing, the little boy looked up his dad and said, Daddy, what does in closing mean? And the father said, absolutely nothing, son. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> so, so, in closing, no. Acts. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to where I started, Acts chapter 12. The Bible says that Herod... stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. What did he do? Verse 2, he killed the brother. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And as I shared this morning, I find this powerful. James, was, he was the brother of John. These two, Jesus gave him a nickname called Boagines, which means sons of thunder. John. The beloved, the one who leaned upon Jesus' you know, chest. And we see John as this little, hi, Jesus. I just love you so much. Jesus said he was a son of thunder. Come on. Yeah. Listen, it's okay to be manly in the church. Yeah. Come on. God's looking for some warriors. Yeah. Amen. And David is the epitome of a worshiping warrior king. Right. He's looking for those who know who they are in God. He calls James and John sons of thunder. But here I find something interesting. James is taken and he's killed. Can you imagine what this did to the church? One thing it did, I believe it woke the church up. Because you can't take for granted because of the anointing on a person's life. Oh, God's going to take care of them. Hello? And I'm here to challenge you, church, to pray more for this man than you've ever prayed in this woman and their family, than you've ever prayed in your life. Come on, amen. You know the old saying, new level, new devil. And I believe where God's taking you, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of, of resistance, a lot of attacks. So we understand that. We understand we know the price and we signed up for it. Isn't that right? But listen, he's not doing this on his own. There's a church that's to stand with those who are in positions of authority in the body of Christ. There's one thing I see with the Apostle Paul. Paul didn't walk in his own sense of security. He constantly appealed to the church, please pray for me. Is this okay? The difference between James, I believe, if I look at it in Scripture and understand the flow of things, the word but... It means there was going to be a different outcome because there was a different action taken by the church. That James perhaps was killed by the sword because the church didn't pray. They just assumed, hey, that's James. That's the son of thunder. He'll be all right. But when when the plan and the scheme of the enemy worked, something stirred in the church and said, listen, we're not letting it happen to Peter. But we're going to pray. We're not going to stop. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how how, how how hungry we get. I don't care how tired we get. We're going to pray. We're going to pray until heaven invades earth. The gate is open and the resources of heaven are sent to deliver. Come on, somebody, say amen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com your prayers and financial support are changing lives